Thank you for listening to the A Stomping Ground on 365 Sportscast. The A Stomping Ground is sponsored by Dent Solutions of Napa Valley, House Doctors Painting of San Jose, and American Asphalt of Hayward. Now, back with you for another hour of Ace Talk, your host, Brandon Greco. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the A Stomping Round on 365 Sportscast. I am your host, Brandon Greco. And another week, another good week. We'll start it out with that. It's been another good week for the A's after a week of making moves to help this team. They're paying off big time. They are paying off big time. All these players have contributed. We'll talk about what they've done. Starling Marte has been above and beyond probably the best acquisition of the entire trade deadline for any team with the production that he's had for the A's immediately. It's all great things from the A's. Minus one. Minus one. I don't know what you want to call it, but Ramel Laureano got suspended for PEDs. He's now missing the next 80 games, which is, I think, the next 50, the last 50-something of this year. I think the playoff games count, so hopefully they can make it deep in the playoffs and cut some of that off for next year, and then it overlaps into next year. So he'll probably miss about 20 to 30 games at the start of next year, the rest of this season, all of the playoffs. I think he's eligible for the playoffs next year. I'm not totally sure how that works. I thought it was if you're suspended at any point during that season, then you can't be in the playoffs. But we'll just have to see. And there's the injuries that we've seen with this team. We'll, we'll hear about Chad Pinder, and then the two pitchers. We'll talk about them too and the other moves that the A's have made. And all of that's coming up after this ad by Dent Solution. How many of us have parked far away to try and avoid having someone or something dent our car? If you are like me and love your ride, I guarantee you hate dents. It can be a hassle dealing with insurance or simply finding that correct paint job for that fine finish. Well, it doesn't have to be a hassle. Dent Solution specializes in the art of paintless dent repair. Just like you need a specialist for neck and back pain, when you have a dent or a ding, you need the dentologist. With Dent Solution of the Napa Valley, San Rafael, Marin, Petaluma, Novato, Fairfield, and Vacaville. For over three decades, Ian Cordol has provided five-star service, specializing in world-class repairs. It's a true art, and if you're a victim of unsightly dents and dings, then the dentologist is your fast, affordable solution to those minor dents and dings. The dings and the dents with this team, Pinder and Mike Fires, we have some good news on them. Rosenthal, done for the year, we already know that. But Chad Pinder, the last report we saw was he was starting baseball activity again, running, throwing, hitting, all of that, all of that jazz. And now what I'm hearing is, the report on August 7th was in the middle of August, he will begin a rehab assignment, which is good news. That should be within the next couple days now at this point, being August 10th, August 11th. Mike Fires has began throwing as far as 90 feet, which is the last report we saw was about a month and a half ago saying he still wasn't comfortable throwing. Now he's out to 90 feet. He's getting that arm strength back up. This is going to be... A good guy maybe to have in the bullpen come playoff time. Uh, Caprillion coming off injury. But came back and pitched pretty well. You never He's a rookie coming off arm, arm injuries himself. So maybe another guy in the bullpen that could get up some more innings. 
could be could be helpful for the team. And also, there's some other bullpen moves being made that we'll discuss later that could affect also Mike Fires and who possibly would leave the rotation or the bullpen if he comes up. Last week, I talked about AJ Puck coming up and who might leave the bullpen for him. We have answers for that because that happened, and we'll talk about that all in a little bit. But back to Mike Fires and Chad Pinder. Ramon Laureano has been suspended 80 games for testing positive for PEDs, meaning that Seth Brown, after being sent down, has now been called back up. So right now, I think that they're... You, you got in Harrison, you brought, you brought in Harrison, you brought in Gomes, you brought in Marte, all to add to what you already have, and then Ramon gets hurt, and then you kind of find yourself in this situation again to where you're kind of, I think that the best lineup would be Jed Lowry at second, Harrison in left, Cannon right, Marte in center. Forgot his name for a second, Marte in center. Lowry at second, Olsen at first, Andrews at short, Chapman at third. But then you have you still have Piscotty, Pinder, Kemp, Brown, and then you have your catcher situation. So really it's between and Moreland. So it's between Moreland, Piscotty, Kemp, Pinder, and Brown. One of those guys you'd think would be the DH. Ideally you would like for it to be Mitch Moreland to be able to step up. And obviously Jed Lowry is not going to be playing every day at second base. You gotta keep him off his feet. So I think that because of Loriano getting hurt, you're going to see Cannon right field more often because Brown and Piscotty just haven't really been able to get it done. Brown did hit a home run. Hopefully, that is a sign of things to come with him, but he also kept striking out, kind of like Matt Chapman. He makes solid contact. Looks like he could be tre- trending in the right direction and then goes back to striking out pretty much every other at bat. So you got to see... You, Seth Brown is one of the biggest keys to this team's success. If he could get going and contribute how he was when he first got called up. Even if he could hit 240, that would be perfect for especially, I mean, that would be a big average jump, so he'd have to be swinging pretty good. But if he could hit 240 to 250 for the rest of the year and hit at least six to seven more home runs, then I think that that is okay, doable, if he is platooning. If he is not platooning, then he needs to have like 10 more home runs. The production has to come up with someone now that Loriano is gone. And in the bullpen, Mike Fires coming back will probably have a spot on this team if they make the playoffs. Who would go for Mike Fires? I think that the two options now would be Deloitte Guerra or Burt Smith. JB Wendelkin has been DFA'd by the A's because AJ Puck has been called up. I'm kind of surprised by that because now they have three lefties. That's that's okay. That's not bad. It's okay to have that, especially in the playoffs. It's going to be a lot of matchups. You don't know how your pitching is going to be in the playoffs, so it's good to have especially another power lefty arm that could, if need be, I don't know if you're comfortable with that yet, but go out get two winnings for you. This, he was a starter. He's probably going to be a reliever for the rest of his career unless he could somehow stay healthy and get that arm strength back up without having to have another surgery. I think at this point, to be safe, the best spot for A.J. Puck would be bullpen, back-end bullpen, could be electric, 97-plus, good off-speed, just what the A's need. Probably could find himself in Deakman's role. Hopefully we'll have better command, though. So I think for Fires, it would probably be Burt Smith or Garrett. 
Guerra has been their long guy out of the bullpen. Burt Smith has been, if they're up or if they're down, it's been him or Guerra and Wendelkin. Now you have another bullpen guy to come up in high leverage spot. So I think Garrett will probably stay on the team just because he can eat up more innings. Burt Smith, we've seen go out for two innings, but Mike Fires, a starter, could go out, maybe get you three or four, depending on the situation of the game, depending on what's going on. So I think that it would probably be Burt Smith to go if Mike Fires comes back. I just don't see any of these other guys in the road. If it were anyone in the rotation to go to the bullpen, it would be Caprellian, but he's pitching too well for that to happen. Unless you want to try to save some innings on his arm if he's on like a count or whatever. But I think Mike fires to the bullpen for Burt Smith is probably a sure thing if he comes back. Because it's still you still have to come back for that to happen. And you still have to show signs that you can do it. So if that happens, I think Burt Smith would be the odd man out. And that kind of leaves you with a pretty good playoff bullpen. You have a lot of guys in that bullpen with playoff experience. They've been in the playoffs the past couple years. Trevino's been there. Petit's been there with here, the Giants. Romo's obviously been there with the Giants. He got a save in the World Series. He knows what it's like. A.J. Puck hasn't really been there before, but he's been around this team. I think he actually might have been on that wildcard team a couple years ago. I don't think he pitched. He might not have even been on the team, but that was when he got called up. It's going to be a bullpen that could consist of Mike Fires, Romo, Petit, Trevino, Diekman, Chafin, all guys that have been and pitched well in the playoffs before. So that's what you like to see. And if you could counter that with Irvin going five, Montas going five or six, Bassett, Manaya going seven innings, Caprellian going five, six innings, your, your pitching should continue to set you up pretty nicely to win games, especially with this new look offense that just is more exciting, just looks energized. It's it's a great time. It's a great time other than this Ramon Laureano news. That's the one thing that kind of makes me question the success of this team and what's going to happen because their defense with Laureano and right, Marte and center, whoever and left at that point, you just got to be able to not mess up on fly balls. Just catch the fly balls that you can reach because Marte could cover a lot of ground. He could shade over more to that side. Loriano, if he's in right, a center fielder in right field. Canna, if he's in left field, another guy that's played very good center field defense. So you have three center fielders in the outfield. Marte, one of the fastest in baseball. He's come to this team and he's done nothing but do everything. He has done everything for this team. He's running. He's hitting home runs. He's driving in runs. He's scoring runs. He's playing good defense. And he's hitting over 400 since coming to the A's. Whilst going two for his first 13, I think. So he started out his first four games under 100. And then recent, the past San Diego series, he had his first home run. And then against Texas he had a big three-run home run maybe the biggest the walk-off it was um, starting Marte is absolutely legit he's playing for a new contract I doubt it'll be for the Oakland Athletics but that would be crazy Marte coming back next year Loreano coming back next year at that point you bring Canna back in left field Olsen 
hopefully bring back Lowry, get yourself a shortstop. Maybe Nick Allen will be ready. Nick Allen, who just is one of the A's top prospects, one of the best defensive prospects in all of baseball, was just on the USA Olympic team. They won silver. He came up pretty big. I think we hit very well in that. Had a big three-run home run in that game. He just got called up to AAA now that he is back from Tokyo. So the rest of this year, Nick Allen will probably be up at some point next year. So hopefully he could produce, but you're still going to need someone for the short term, which kind of makes this Elvis Andrews trade start starts making a little bit more sense because Elvis Andrews is under contract for next year. If Elvis Andrews could start next year, Elvis Andrews hit 270 in June, I think. And since then, he's hit about 250 to 260 from that 140 start that he had. If he could keep that up, everything after May into next year, if he could hit 250, the doubles, the power may not be there for him anymore, but if he could still hit the doubles, keep that average up a little bit, I think that that could be a nice transition to Nick Allen. So the month-by-month hitting for Elvis Andrews in April, 151. May 256. So even May, he was he was hitting pretty decent in May. In June, he hit 278. July 247. And in August, six games, he's hitting 211. So pretty much other than April, he's about a 260 hitter. Which I think at that point you take. Two home runs. RBIs aren't really there. He's getting his doubles, which is good. I think that if Andrews could hit 260 throughout the rest of this year, continue that into next year before Nick Allen comes up, then you set yourself up probably pretty nicely for a smooth transition at shortstop. Nick Allen might struggle to hit a little bit, but come up the rest of the second half of next year, whenever he comes up, play with Elvis Andrews, who when he came up was definitely, I think, a defensive first shortstop, who had definitely, I mean, some promise with the bat, but I don't think was just based off his size or anything was expected to be this great hitter. He's on, he's a 272 career hitter. If Nick Allen could be that, then the A's, they'll be fine with how good of defense he's going to play. If Nick Allen could come up and play just like Elvis Andrews, but with better defense, the A's found, hopefully, the shorts, a long-term shortstop if they keep him and re-sign him and do the right thing with him. Matt Chapman is the key to really all of this, in my opinion. Matt Olson is a free agent after next year. Matt Chapman the year after that. Next year, if the A's can't bring back Marte, you know they're not going to go out and sign anyone big in free agency. So that kind of leaves you now with a little bit of a depleted farm system for after going for it all this year. So who's going to come up to replace while Loriano's missing time, while you're now trying to find a hole for Marte, and... I think there's some starters that are free agents after this year. So there's a lot of questions with this team. But as of right now, and for what they're trying to do this year, other than the Ramon Laureano news, everything that the A's did, that their organization did, they did it perfectly to set them up for the future of this year and trying to make a deep playoff push. And sadly, it's just some of the players just aren't contributing and doing what they're supposed to do. 
Loriano and Chapman being the two biggest ones. Loriano, the PEDs, Chapman hasn't played well in two years. Not sure what's up with, hasn't offensively, hasn't played well in two years. And I was saying, oh, it's his hip, you know, got to come back from the hip, but someone recently made a good point. Look at his defense. He's going all over the place on defense and hasn't slowed him down on defense. He's crashing into walls. He's diving. He's running all over the place. He's just not hitting. And maybe something will click. I mean, Cody Bellinger is also hitting 230. The guy won the MVP. Christian Yelich is hitting 230, also won the MVP. So who knows? Maybe just a couple of guys that might just need a little bit of time to figure it out. Hopefully, the rest of this year in the offseason will be good for Matt Chapman to be back for next year because if this team is clicking with hopefully you bring back Harrison and Gomes, I think that that's very realistic. And Chapman and Murphy start to produce more. I think that the A's are going to be set up pretty nicely for this year and next year if they can bring back Bassett and Manaya and all these starters that are going to be free agents in Canna. If they could keep this same core and get production out of their younger players, which is how all the A's teams, I feel like, kind of come to be. These younger guys kind of come out of nowhere and produce for them. Trevino, a couple years ago, came out of nowhere and was the A's setup pitcher for Trinan, who also came out of nowhere. Doolittle, Ryan Cook, Jared Parker, Tommy Malone, A.J. Griffin, all these guys that weren't expected to do anything or really produce, not household names, no one, guys that no one really knew about. That's the key to the A's. Seth Brown this year, no one knows about Seth Brown. He came up and was hitting the snot off the baseball. He's not doing it anymore, but he helped the A's win a lot of games early in the year with how he was playing. Against Tampa Bay, against Minnesota, against the Astros, against the Diamondbacks. A lot of big home runs that he hit in those games. Doubles off the wall. Seth Brown has the power. He has the capability. He's just got to figure it out. Matt Chapman has more than enough power, more than enough of that capability. We've seen it before. 270, 30-plus homers, 40-plus doubles. Something's got to click for him again. His average has dropped, I think, every year. Last year, I think, in the shortest season, was super. it was only 60 games. I think it was like 220, 215 maybe. This year, it's at 215 again. So he's gone from 270 to 250 to 220 to 215. Pretty much two years in a row, the same bad batting average. It, it's definitely, definitely worrisome. But I don't know. It's it's a tough call with Matt Chapman. It's very tough. It is very tough. But with the production that Josh Harrison is now giving you, that Young Gomes has instantly given you, that Starling Marte has given you, those three guys have probably done more in the past two weeks, I feel like, than Chapman and Loriano have done all year. Maybe not, but... It almost seems that way. It almost seems that is the case. You just traded for three guys that you could plug in and have had better and have had better years than pretty much everyone on your team other than Matt Olson. This team is in a good spot. They're 14 games up. They lost Ramon. Yes, but for them to go out and sweep Texas, that's huge. That's absolutely huge. And I was saying it, that game, the second game, they beat the Padres. They came back, they won, it was a big game. I was saying, if the A's win this game, big things are going to happen. They won that game, they go out, they sweep Texas, they have a nice day off, 
I think that things are going to, I think that it's going to be a good time for the A's right now. Astros have a very easy rest of the year schedule. The A's schedule is a little bit tougher, but I think that if the A's can get through this, then they're set up nicely for the playoffs. And if they can't, then they're not a playoff team anyway. Because they're going to be playing playoff teams to get into the playoffs. So this is what, if you're a player, this is what you want. You want to be able to go out there the last half of this year against these good teams, and you want to show them, it's like, yeah, we'll also be seeing you in the postseason. And this is what you're going to get. You're going to get Matt Olson, Starling Marte, hitting home runs, not Ramon Laureano. I kept wanting to say his name. Just that news is sad. Sean Murphy, Jan Gomes. Sean Murphy, I think, is going to probably start hitting better here pretty soon. I think he hasn't he hasn't really been around a good hitting catcher in his career since he's come up. Maybe why he came up a little bit earlier than he should have a couple years ago because we were struggling to find someone to hit some production at the catcher spot. And he's came, he played last year, hit 230. The power is there. This year, the power is there. Not a high batting average. He started yesterday after Jan Gomes started the first uh, two games of that Texas series. I think he went one for four, one for three with a walk and a double. I'm expecting big things out of Sean Murphy the rest of this year and the rest of his career after after this year. I think Jan Gomes is going to be a huge help for him. And I think that Jan Gomes, if they could bring him back for next year to do exactly what he could, is doing this year, probably very doable for a 35-year-old catcher to come in and platoon with Sean Murphy. I'm sure that he'd be more than happy to do it. Play against lefties. He's hitting 365 against lefties this year. Sean Murphy's hitting 190. Murphy's hitting like 230 against righties, I think. Jan Gomes might also be hitting a little bit better than that, but you can't just give all the at-bats to Jan Gomes. Murphy's going to play against righties, Gomes against lefties, and I think that if Bob Melvin wants to continue that for next year, you got it. Jan Gomes, very good defensively, very good against lefties, a, would be a great backup catcher for this team, especially for Sean Murphy to kind of like mentor him. If you could bring back Jan Gomes and Josh Harrison for next year, you're instantly going to be better off going into next year than you were this year. That's for dang sure. Because last year, you were uncertain about Lowry. You thought maybe Machine... I thought maybe Machine was going to be on the roster. Tony Kemp, I'm looking at Tony Kemp thinking, oh, brother, Tony Kemp. If you keep Josh Harrison, maybe you don't have to keep Tony Kemp. Maybe some of these younger guys next year will be a little bit more ready and you don't have to see Tony Kemp on the team next year. And you replace that with Josh Harrison, who does everything Tony Kemp does, but I think a little bit better. Especially on offense. Especially on offense. Tony And we saw Josh Harrison. He, he There was a play that he made after actually making a diving play, playing second base in the shift, coming over from short. He made a diving play, threw the runner out on first. And then later in the game, he went, he dove, put his body on the line. He didn't make the catch, but he... These guys are coming here and they want to win. These are veteran guys that want to win, which is perfect for a team that has young guys that are good enough to be in the playoffs. You just need that veteran push to push you over the edge. So keep these guys for next year, and I think that you're golden. But that's next year, and as of right now, days are about to start a, a three-game series with Cleveland. 
And the Cleveland Indians, they're at 500 right now. They haven't been playing the best. They traded a lot of guys at the deadline. They still have Jose Ramirez. But the Indians are a team that the A's should be able to at least win two out of three. If not, get another sweep. Sweeps, you know, in baseball are tough. But they should be able to win two out of three in this series. There's there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to, honestly. Manaya's pitching game one. You have to like any chance to win a series when you have Manaya pitching game one. Montas, who has been pitching very great recently, his ERA was closer to five, and now it's getting down closer into the three range. And then to close the series out, you got Chris Bassett. So you have your two best pitchers pitching in this series, game one and three. You should be able to win that series, right? And then after that, you go to Texas, and then Texas for three. Not super worried about Texas. You should be able to win two out of three in that series and or sweep. We just did that. So the A's, these next six games, I think five of them, I think that they need to win five of these next six. And because the Astros schedule, I mean, that's a pretty easy schedule for the A's right there, the Indians and the Rangers, but the Astros schedule is about to be very easy as well, pretty much for the rest of the year. The Astros play the Diamondbacks, they play Kansas City, they play a lot of teams that really just aren't going to be in it. They play the Angels, I think I saw, like eight times. So maybe Mike Trout could come back for the rest of the year and try to take a couple wins away from them. Him and Otani, hopefully after they play the A's again, try to win a little bit from, try to help the A's out. I think they actually play the Angels starting today as well, so that's what the A's have to worry about on the Astros' side. And then there's also the Yankees, who are very close, and now the Red Sox for the wild card. The A's are now in that first wild card spot by one percentage point point. The A's are 64 and 48 going into Tuesday. The Red Sox are 65 and 49. So they've played two more games and they've won and lost one. I think the A's might also have the tiebreaker with the Red Sox, if I remember correctly, but I can't totally remember. The A's either won four out of six or they split it three and three. I can't totally remember. They're down against the Yankees. The Yankees right now have a two two to one lead on them. And if for something if something happens and Tampa Bay falls back into that wild card spot, we have the tiebreaker over them with wins. Toronto, we don't have it over. So pretty much right now, not only are the A's fighting with the Astros, but they are pretty much fighting with the entire AL East other than Baltimore for a wild card spot. They're two back of the Astros, and the A's have right now the first wild card spot. The Astros right now are the third division team in terms of record. So right now the A's are, if they weren't the division lead, would be the three. Right now they are the four. So as of right now, if the season were to end today, the A's would be playing the Red Sox in the wild card game. That's not going to happen. I guarantee you that's not going to happen. There are so many games left, but you're kind of starting to see what teams are going to be there. And the Mariners, they were 11 games up. They now find themselves five games up. Like I was saying, it was just a matter of time with them. They just got run through by the Yankees, really didn't have a chance in that. They, I mean, they did, but then the Yankees hit a couple Yankee special home runs, a couple of home runs that weren't home runs in any other park but Yankee Stadium.
gave I think that gave them six total runs and two three run home runs on what should be regular fly balls, but for some reason that's allowed. I I don't know. That's it's frustrating to me that you're just able to have the fence be at three fifteen and I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. I hate playing at Yankee Stadium. I hate going to Yankee Stadium. They never win. It's always tough, and I feel like that short porch or something, it's just always something in Yankee Stadium. Maybe it's like that with everyone. Maybe it's just because it's the Yankees, but I do not want to go to Yankee Stadium anymore this year. We won't in the regular season. If we have to go there in the wild card, oh, man. I do not want to go back to Yankee Stadium. I just don't want to be in that wild card spot. The A's have put themselves in a spot to, I think, if they play the Astros right now, they as long as the A's are pitching and don't continue to get shredded by the Astros' offense, they have a chance to win. Because the A's' offense, I think, is now good enough to put up five or six runs in any given game. 100% with who they have on that team. The Astros' offense is also good enough to do that. But I think the A's pitching, overall, is a little bit better than Houston's. I think the Astros' offense is more than a little bit better than the A's. But good pitching beats good hitting time and time again. Not every time, but a decent amount of the time. Good pitching will beat good hitting. And the A's have put, I mean, the A's, I think, have our top five in most pitching categories in baseball. Their starters have been dominant. All of them have been phenomenal this year. Caprillian's ERA was under two pretty much, or under three pretty much all year. Other than he had a rough start against the Padres. But that's that's pretty much it. His ERA is now at 322. He's gotten kind of hit around by Texas a lot this year, but he's also pitched against Texas, I think, four times since June 23rd. He has June 23rd, June 29th, July 10th, and August 8th. He has pitched against Texas. He gave up more than a run in each of those starts. He's pretty much given up one, two runs in each start, a couple, one, three, and then that one, six to San Diego. And that was a start he got hurt after. And his strikeouts, he still struck out six. He's striking out a lot of guys. He's a really good pitcher. And for him to come up and be doing this after all the question marks about him, last year, three and two-thirds innings with the A's had a 7-3-6 ERA. That is only three, not even four innings. But he gave up three runs. Maybe he gave up a home run. I'm not totally sure what, what that was. Walked a couple guys. I don't remember him really pitching last year, but I remember him being called up. So, you know, you come up once, you give up a bunch of runs, the same amount of runs as innings pitched. Then you come up this year, your first start against the Red Sox, your drafted rival when you were on the Yankees, and then you go home, you pitch against the Angels, where you're from, then you have your first Oakland A's home start, and then you pitch against the Yankees, a team that drafted you. For Caprillion, I think that how those starts lined up kind of got him amped up into look at where I'm pitching, look at where I'm, what I'm about to be doing, let's go do this. And that's just carried into the entire year. Those first three starts for him probably could could be like career starts. This There were a lot of, if 
in that Red Sox start, he had the bases loaded, nobody out. He could have given up a grand slam and could have been taken out of that game. Who knows, maybe the confidence isn't there and he goes and gets hit around by the Angels, but instead he gets out of it. He bounces back, pitches five innings, I think only gave up one run. Two runs, maybe? Pitches really good against the Angels and then comes home and pitches well at home. Instantly, I mean, you have to be feeling good about yourself. A good third outing at your home stadium, getting walked off, clapping by the home stands. Caprillion, voila. You have saved some pretty bad trades. I mean, well, what looked to be a pretty bad trade. But, I mean, my point, what I'm really trying to say, there's days have made a lot of bad trades where they've traded some guys that have gone on and been great with other teams and the guys that get back haven't really performed. I think of the Donaldson trade really just is the first one that comes to mind. When Delkin, I think, technically wasn't a part of that trade, but was one of the last players involved in that trade. There's, they just have one more player that is kind of involved in that trade who's a double-A pitcher who's 27 who has a 4 ERA. And so what that trade, the A's got Brett Lurie. They got a couple other guys that are now out of baseball and Franklin Barreto. I can't remember the other guys' names. They traded Barreto for Tommy Lastello, who's now on the Giants. They traded Brett Lurie to the White Sox, which is how they got Wendelkin and this other pitcher that is now in double-A for the A's. Wendelkin just got DFA'd for A.J. Puck coming up. So that Donaldson trade, pretty much, we got a little bit of Tommy Listella, and, oh, I guess Kendall Graveman too, but now he's closing games for the Astros, so I mean, I really don't know how you want to view that trade. Two of the bigger pieces in that trade are, one's, one's on the team that you're trying to chase down, and the other's out of baseball. So... It was my point being, Jorge Mateo got DFA'd by the Padres. Justin Fowler earlier this year got DFA'd by the Pirates. Both those guys, the A's got for Sonny Gray. James Caprillion is the number five starter on one of the best rotations in baseball. So that trade, if Caprillion could be consistent, this is the first year of his career. The A's still have, I think, what, six more years left? Five more years of control on him? This could be a guy that the A's building. The, this could be one of the pieces, I think, right now that Caprillion, if the A's don't trade him, I think Caprillion will be one of these guys that's going to be on the A's for probably that whole time. And then probably going to be moved as maybe like that final rebuild piece. If Caprillion could turn into a good starter, you trade Caprillion. And, because, I mean, you know how the A's go. I mean, there's not going to be a 10-year window of success for this team. They're not going to be able to resign everyone. So you probably think that a couple, another couple years they'll be ready to blow it up, but you're still going to have pieces you're not going to want to move. So maybe you keep Caprillion, you have a good starter, Dalton Jeffries, you have these starters that are coming up, and then once all these other guys, the prospects that you get for him, them are hopefully ready, some more of your draft picks, then maybe you move Caprillion later on and he could be then used for a trade piece, for a veteran or more prospect. You know, it's just Caprillion right now is giving you a lot of options for right now and the future, being a rookie, pitching with success, just showing that there's some promise. 
and giving you an opportunity to where you you've only had to use what like you've pretty you've used Irvin, Montas, Bassett, Manaya, those four all year, and the rest Mike Fires, Lazardo, Dalton Jeffries, and Caprillion. So four other starters for one spot. Which is, again, Caprillion, other than this quick DL, IL stint where he only missed one start, actually, because of the two off days, really, I think three off days, actually, in that time, really helped him out. So only missed one start. Dalton Jeffries pitched one game, three runs against the Angels. I think, I don't know if got the win, but kept the minute after giving up a two-run home run in the first. I like the I like the youth on this team. I think that it's tough to tell with drafts, but... I think that the draft class that they had, it seems like they're pretty high on some of these players. It was a lot of younger guys that I. it's kind of seemed like could have, if they would have maybe been in college or like waited a little bit longer, they probably would have been higher draft picks. But, I mean, if they have that kind of potential and you see that now, why not take them? If they just need another year in college and they go from a third to a first-round pick... What's the difference than, oh, we'll draft him and we'll just have him develop in single A instead of in college? The competition's better, maybe harder for the confidence, but to instantly see a little bit better competition at that young of an age, yeah, you struggle, but that's what makes these guys good. You got to struggle and be able to work through and fight through that. So the future of this team, I have mixed feelings about it long-term future of this team i have mixed feelings about the short term the short term whoa the short term future of this team as in this year and next year i'm smiling as i say that because i feel like it could it's either it's going to go one of two ways it's going to or yeah i think there's two options for this team they're this year headed towards I think it's going to be a if it's not if they don't get past the ALDS this year I think that there's a decent chance that this team could get blown up if they do make it past the ALDS I think that they will be aggressive but I think that it might be one of those Yankee situations we saw a couple years ago or they might move some players and also try to get some players back that can help them at the same time that might just need another year or two to develop kind of like what the Yankees did with Chapman is they went out and traded Chapman and they went out and brought in Glaber and some of these other younger guys who were able to produce and actually help them be good enough to get to I think a wild card spot is when they played the Twins but the, I think that was the year the Cubs won the World Series when they beat the Indians, so it didn't matter for them. They didn't end up making the World Series. But then you go and get Chapman back after the year, and then next thing you know is all those guys that you just got are now ready a little bit later. So I think that's kind of what could happen. I'm not 100% positive, but I think that it's going to be a complete blow-up or it's going to be a half-blow-up, which could kind of cause this team to maybe struggle a little bit longer down the line, which is where I think a guy like Caprillion really comes in handy, as everything I just said a little bit ago, a piece that you can move if need be, if he turns out to be good, where you could get a big package back. Same with Jeffries, same with Chapman, maybe 
you, you just never know what's going to happen with this team, but there are a lot of options. And I think that if they don't make it past that ALDS this year, it's going to be hard to keep everyone and to come back next year and be as good, especially if they don't win. I don't know. It's, it's going to be tough. There's a lot of questions around this team, per usual. A lot of turnover each year. But there's a lot of players there right now that if they bring back for next year, they're golden. And there's no reason why they shouldn't. Harrison and Gomes, number one and number two for who they just brought in. I think that in terms of, I think Marte would be, I think, number one on who to bring back. But in terms of being realistic, Marte, Marte, Gomes, and Josh Harrison, I think need to come back. So, with all that being said, I have a little bit of time left. So, we'll talk about a little bit of just what 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 the A should do. I mean, I so earlier I said five and six this next week before, but let's. I'm gonna get a little bit more in depth into the schedule on what this team has. So you heard me say Cleveland and Texas. Then it gets tough. Then it gets pretty tough for the A's. This then so they don't have an off day till the 25th. So after Texas, they go to Chicago for four. And then they come home, and they play the Giants for three, the Mariners for two, oh yeah, okay, sorry, I thought I was reading the schedule wrong, the Mariners for two, and then they have that four-game series against the Yankees to close out August, at home. That has, in the past, been a pretty good series for the A's. The four-gamer in Oakland at the end of the year, the A's, I feel like they've had a couple sweeps of that series. There's a lot of series they've won 3-1. to one. I think that this could be a pretty good series for the A's. It has been in the past, but White Sox, Giants, and Yankees. You have the Mariners in there, a nice little two-game. Catch your breath. Okay, relax. The Mariners should be out of it by that time, and you get an off day to prepare for the Yankees. And then you play them for four, and then you get another off day before you go on the road to Detroit. So there's, even if you don't play great against the Yankees, I think that series against Detroit should be a four-game series. It's not. It's a three-game series. That kind of stinks. So you then have a three-game series against Detroit, but and then the schedule gets tough again because then you go to Toronto, and then you play the White Sox. So the A's next after Cleveland and Texas Two against Seattle, three against Detroit, sprinkled in a gauntlet of a schedule. A really tough schedule. But I think that the White Sox, their starting rotation, might honestly be the only one that's pitched better than the A's this year. The Giants rotation has been pitching really well all year. They've kind of struggled a little bit recently. Hope that continues. Not just for our series, but for the rest of the year. And then the Mariners, they're falling out of it. But that Yankees series... Garrett Cole's been out a while. He'll probably be back for that. Their lineup, at least it's here. We don't got to see Gallo and Rizzo in that 314 down to right field, but the A's know what Joey Gallo could do to him. He had six home runs against the A's in a five-game stretch, and then the previous five-game stretch, I think he struck out like 15 times. So it's just a met what Joey Gallo will come to Oakland for that series. Will Giancarlo Stanton be healthy? Will DJ LeMayhew be hitting like we know he can hit? 
Will Aaron Judge be healthy? Will Chapman be well? If with the Yankees, it's will they be healthy? If they're healthy, they're one of the better teams in baseball. Look at their team. If they're not healthy, which they have a lot, a lot of guys that have not been healthy, well, then they're a team that has Greg Bird and a bunch of other guys that they have to call up from AAA and try to fill in. Andrew Romine. I can't remember that catcher's name, and I don't want to mess it up, so I'm not even going to try to say it. But they have a lot of guys that have played this year. The, the Yankees were under 500 or were at 500 for a little bit this year before their guys started coming back. And they're only a little bit over. So if the Yankees start having some injuries again, they could their playoff hopes could slowly start to fade away, which pretty much then would leave the A's only def defend off the Blue Jays. I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but with how the Yankees have done health-wise, that is a possibility that the Yankees could start to have some injuries. They're only plus 17. So, I mean, they haven't been playing all that well this year. Collectively. But they also haven't all been there at the same time. Their last 10 games, they're 8-2. They've been playing really well. Just like the A's. Toronto, also 8-2 in their last 10. And then there's Seattle, who's right behind them at 4-6. and six. So, yeah, Seattle is starting to drop off. And all these playoff teams that the A's are trying to compete with the Mariners went four and six in the last ten the Red Sox went two and eight other than that everyone else won at least seven of their last ten games the Blue Jays the Yankees the White Sox and the Rays all won at least seven of their last ten days won eight of their last ten boop, boop. so they're right there in it that's all since these guys have come they've won their first three without Ramon only time will tell how that affects the team. A couple years ago when Ramon went hurt, Canna stepped up big time and got his average up over 270. The only difference between this team and that team in terms of outfield is now that they have Marte in center. So if Canna could step up again and get that average and keep it over 260, stop letting it get up and then just, just be consistent for the rest of the year like he closed out 2019, the A's will miss Ramon, but not as much as they would if they didn't get Marte. If Mark Hanna could finish the year just hitting consistently around 260 to 270, 270 might be pushing it, but he's done it before, they're in a good spot, especially with him at the leadoff hitter. You think his average climbs 10 points, his on-base percentage is closer to 400, getting on base close to 40% of the time, the guy behind you, Marte, getting on base over 40% of the time. And then you have one of the best power hitters in baseball hitting right after you. And then, oh, after that, you have Jed Lowry, who is one of the most professional of all professional hitters. Matt Olson, he hit that home run against the Angels. I said, who knows, maybe this could be a sign of things to come. Well, after that, he went 0 for 4 against San Diego, and then is followed up with a 2-for-5, a 1-for-3, and a 4-for-5 game with three doubles. He went 0-for-2 against Texas on the 8th, but had two walks. Pitched around him, pitched carefully. Jed Lowry did some damage. The rest of that team did damage. Matt Olson, three doubles and a home run. Four doubles, a home run in his past seven games. The power starting to come back a little bit. The average dropped down to 277. He's gotten it back up to 285 just in two games. So 
starting to heat up. Earlier I talked about Elvis Andrews and what he was hitting in June, and I think that Matt Chapman also had a pretty big June, but the rest of the year, this is a man who is one of the worst hitters in baseball, which doesn't make any sense. So in April, Matt Chapman hit 189. In May, he hit 217. In June, he hit 277. He actually did really well in June. That was his best power month. That was the month he struck out the least amount of times. Had the most hits, obviously. Scored a lot of runs. That was also the month he had the most at-bats. It went up each month other than July. And then in July, from 277 in June, he hit 180 in July and struck out 34 times and 89 at-bats. That is over a third of the time Matt Chapman is striking out. That's terrible. Oh, thank God for Josh Harrison. I'm not sure what the plan is with Matt Chapman right now. I really am not sure what the plan is with him. I'm not sure what you can do with him to try to make that, to try to hide that. But having him and Andrews at the bottom of the order, 8 and 9 I think is the best bet, honestly, because if you hopefully you could get a home run or a double out of Chapman every once in a while, having Andrews, if he could keeps hitting at 250, I guess that's really not, that's pretty decent at the bottom of the order. That's also one of the high, that would be one of the higher batting averages on the team for the guys that they had would be 250. So Andrews hitting ninth, I think, is probably the best spot for him. Chapman at eighth, probably the best spot for him. So really that one through seven, you have a little bit of room to play with. But it, it's tough. You just don't know what you could really, you, you don't know what you could do because whoever's hitting in front of Chapman isn't really probably going to be pitched to all that serious so he, with Chapman struggling it opens up there's a hole there and the sixth hitter kind of has to struggle a little bit too because he's probably not going to be pitched to, I mean you could just walk him and let Chapman come up and strike out especially if there's two outs if Josh Harrison is hitting six there's probably not going to be many balls being pitched to him He's got to be up in the order. I think that best spot would be having Gomes or Murphy hitting sixth than having Canna, Marte, Harrison, Lowry, and Olsen one through five. And not in that order, but hitting one through five. So, I, I mean, I'm, it's been what I've been saying all year. The key to this team is, is if Matt Chapman could get going. In June, when he hit 277, the A started June, I think, 14 and 5, and that's when he did all his damage. And then he stopped hitting home runs. He went like a month without hitting a home run after that Giants series. And after that Giants series, I mean, it was actually the series right before, I think, the Yankees the weekend before. It was bad. It was really bad. The A's couldn't win a game. They lost like eight series in a row. They went from over 20, up to close to 20 games over 500 to almost 10 or 9, 8 games over 500, getting close to 5 games over 500. So they really, they really were struggling there for a long time. Matt Chapman has been really holding this team down. 
He's slugging 292. He's not... Every month, other than this month, he at least was getting on base over... His on base was at least over 300. 306 in April, 324 in May, 343 in June. In July, he hit 180 with a 247 on base, slugging 292. There was no... Not only was he not hitting... In the other months, he at least showed some power. No, not this year. Not this month. So he has 16 hits, one double, and three homers. It's just... Matt Chapman looks lost. This is not the same player that the A's saw two years ago. It's not even close. And it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I'm looking at all of his batting averages, his splits, and I'm trying to see if there's anywhere that he's playing better, but there's not. He's hitting 240 versus lefties. I guess that's not bad. It's not good. He's hitting under 200 against righties. 199 and 256 at bats with 100 strikeouts versus righties. And 200. Wow, dude. Matt Chapman has been playing absolutely terrible this year. If I don't know, the key to the A's is if he could turn it around, especially with Loriano being out. But if he can't and it doesn't look like he's going to be able to, then the A's are going to be in a tough spot because you need to have someone else in that lineup come playoff time. Especially if someone gets hurt again or if something else happens. Chad Pinder hopefully will be back and maybe be able to heat up and do something, but Chad Pinder is very streaky. You don't know what you're going to get out of him. It's, it's tough. But the A's right now, the, they're two back of the Astros. This is the closest they've been in a minute. I think they got the two and a half back a couple weeks ago, and then they instantly went back to five and a half. Now they find themselves at two back. They haven't been the first wild card spot in a while. They now find themselves there after Boston's been losing. You have a you have a good week ahead of you to set yourself up nicely before this tough stretch. You got to capitalize on it. We got the Indians at 4. Then Tuesday, we got the Indians at 4 Wednesday. The Indians at 11 on Wednesday. And then you go to Texas for that three-game weekend. And then it's the then it's the White Sox and the Giants. It's going to be it's going to be a fun couple weeks for the A's. You got to win five out of these next six. Hopefully, that's what they'll do next time I talk to you. Next time I talk to you, we'll be probably be... Game two of that White Sox series. Hopefully the A's have won six out of seven. Hopefully the A's are in first place. Astros hopefully will be struggling a little bit. The A's have a good opportunity in front of them right now. They just have to be able to capitalize it, capitalize on it and take advantage of their spots. You got to be better at taking advantage of that. Just like in their games. They've, they have a lot of opportunities, but they haven't been able to capitalize. Now that they brought in these new guys and they're scoring with runners on base, less guys I think are being left on this past week. So just keep that going. That's all you can do. Have a good week. Go A's. I'll talk to you soon.